Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and welcome to a Texans Buccaneers postgame show. I hope you guys never forget Robert with Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. He's at the station. We are sorry we ran a little bit late, but Sean had a bunch to do, as you can imagine, with everything that happened. And Sean, we just witnessed the most exciting win. And I'm going to say this with a period at the end of the statement, exclamation point, the most exciting win in Texans history, regular season history, for sure. Maybe it may not be. All that matters is that uh, this is the the most recent one. I mean, hell, I can't remember another win that equates to this. I mean, it was just uh, it was fantastic. Uh, It was it was absolutely um, gut wrenching. It was exciting, invigorating. It was on the edge of your seat. Just absolute nuts today. Um, I'm so glad we're talking about a dub with this amount of excitement as opposed to an L. <laughs> Unbelievable. C.J. Stroud, NFL rookie record, 470 yards passing. Ties a rookie record, five touchdowns. Zero, zero interceptions. That cannot be forgotten. Mm. And Sean, in the second half, he had four touchdown drives, one field goal drive, and a game-winning 75-yard drive with 46 seconds left. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the post game and C.J. Stroud talk. It was just a little two-second uh, <laughs> quip, but that last play, that touchdown to Tank Dell to win this thing was drawn up on the sideline by none other than offensive coordinator extraordinaire Bobby Slowick. Absolutely going to talk about Slowick because there is a lot to talk about in this one. CJ said Jimmy Ward wanted the team to do additional two-minute work this week. Stroud said they did extra, and it paid off. And, Sean, I should have known it was going to be a crazy day when I heard this to open the Fox broadcast. Here you go. It's the NFL on CBS Live from Houston, Texas. Today, the Buccaneers take on the Texans. We'll get things started from. I had to like rewind it, Sean, and play it several times. I and Eagle, I don't know what happened. I felt like I was the only one that noticed it because I was looking on the time. I was like, didn't did anybody notice what he just said on the timeline? And I think everybody's expecting one word to come out, another word comes out. And I think we're we're legal on this. YouTube can't get mad at I don't think that's a bad word because you know it came with an ears at the end of it. <laughs> Are you talking about the same thing that I'm thinking? Instead of saying yeah. the buccaneers, he said fucking ears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, I, hey, look, I'm in a padded room, all right? I'm in the studio. I got to do highlights and and watch the game uh, completely different than than the rest of you guys probably did. Um, that's the first I heard that, and that's fantastic. That's exactly yeah. what I heard. <laughs> that's when I knew something weird was going on, and, and yeah, he said that, and it's legal for me to say because, hey, that's that's not a – that's not a bad word. That's just uh, <laughs> mispronouncing Buccaneers. That's so, the beauty uh, of podcast, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hey, we need you guys to get in the comments. I know we're running late. I hope people are out there listening and watching us. And if you're re- watching us on Rewind, please comment on YouTube. We want to hear from you. 
we can unpack it possession by position as we do every week. We can jump in with stuff because there's so much to talk about. And not the way you wanted to start this game. Dalton Schultz fumbles what should have been a first down throw by CJ. Luckily, the Texans hold him to a field goal. And then they respond quickly on the next drive. They get help from a Tampa roughing the passer. Big pass plays to Schultz, Dell, and a laser on the 14-yard slant to Nico for the touchdown, Sean. So that's what they did a lot of today. They, they responded pretty quickly, usually. Uh, you talk about a response. Um, I know we're going to get through this throughout, you know, going possession by possession. But you mentioned the Dalton Schultz, um, you know, uh, fumble. I mean, what about what what about the fact that he had ten catches and the Texans? Boom! You go right back to the well, man. Like, hey, you're a big part of our game plan today. You're here to make plays. We need you. We're going to give you opportunities, and many more times than not, uh, Dalton Schultz and C.J. Stroud, who struggled a little bit uh, in this offense early, came through when it mattered most. So next text, next Bucks possession, I should say, Tampa walks it down for a TD with help from a Jimmy Ward roughing the quarterback. Borderline penalty, but not sure it would have mattered much because the Texans had another penalty on that exact same play. Yeah, I think that would have been automatic first down. So the biggest mistake, though, was on third and 16 after the Texans got a break on a holding penalty. Baker Mayfield hits a wide open Godwin for 15 yards. Sean, they played off Godwin, but they gave him way too much room on that play. That that's a when you just gotta you gotta stay a little bit closer because you, you you just can't let him get that that much space after that. Yeah, it's difficult. Um the Texans talked all week long about this receiving core going up against it. I mean, we did probably the best receiving core that they'd gone up against all season long, um, with a very capable quarterback. And this is what the Bucks have to do, much like what the Texans have to do. Hell, they, they're not very good at running the football either. And the Texans, they've done this all season long. They give those big cushions, you know, at times to these receivers. And look, they're going to make you pay, especially the really good ones. And you might be in a situation, though, Robert, where the Texans felt like they were damned if they did, damned if they didn't today. Um, and look, they got bit for it at least once that I can remember, a pass interference call on uh, um, uh, Shaq Griffin. That sometimes you've got to do a little extra. You got to do the most to succeed. I think the Texans got away with some today, but uh, I certainly would have liked in that instance early on. I was thinking to myself, like, boy, I'd really like to see Griffin or somebody like pressed up on this dude and get a little physical with him. Next Texans possession for the second straight week. Stroud misses a shot at a big play, overthrows Nico, who'd beat his guy. Then he overthrows Tank on a sideline yeah. pattern on third down. He just looked a little bit antsy, Sean, and inaccurate on those throws early in the game. It's remarkable when you, when you look what happened and you look back at early in the game, and I, I was worried about him a little bit. Uh, Tank, not Tank, uh, Stroud actually talked about this after the game in his postgame press conference, and I forget exactly what the question was. It was something in regards to – you know, at what point in the week did you feel like, you know, you started to kind of come together with your receivers? And he said Thursday, and then he kind of went through like, hey, you know, we tried to make a couple of big hitters in practice this week, and it didn't really work with Noah or Schultz or Tank in that instance. And he missed a couple, and he made mention of it in the postgame that, hey, he missed a couple early in the games. But his his guys just went to him and said, hey, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, you're a badass. We know you can make the plays. This is what you're here to do. Just relax. 
go out and make the plays. And slowly but surely, man, as the game went along, I think Stroud just kind of settled in and started to make those plays that we'd seen flashes of him already this season. But I don't think, especially when it became nut-cutting time, that we'll get to later on, the regularity in which he was just dicing the Buccaneers secondary up, that was fun. UH and now Texans legend, Tank Dell, six catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. But, Sean, um, let's go back to um, – it was that Stroud throw and that catch by Tank at the 15 to set up uh, the, the touchdown that was incredible. Before I go there, though, uh, let's go pick it up where later in the first quarter, Texans defense finally shows up. They force a three and out next drive, but Slowick had me yelling at the TV on the next drive. Once again, runs down on first down, runs on first down over and over again. This time he, he runs from the 10-yard line. And then that series looked like garbage. Uh, yeah. Slowick did, did, did change his tendencies, uh, so that was good. And there's some numbers to prove it, Sean. On first down, Stroud 16 of 19 for 298 yards, four touchdowns, a perfect passer rating. But early in the game, I was worried. You know, that that series, I know, frustrated a lot of people. I was ready to hear just a chorus of boos, you know, after that three and out when the punt team was coming onto the field because I felt like it was a situation where your your defense had just gotten a stop, um, you know, after you, you already had to punt the possession before following a Tampa touchdown. And it, this game going into it even felt like, man, you just can't give an inch to Baker and the Tampa Bay Bucks because they're pretty damn good too. And it felt like that, hey, man, they were pushed back in their own territory, and I, I can't really blame Bobby Slowick for the mindset here. It was, hey, Stroud's already missing a few of these throws. He doesn't look very comfortable. The last thing we want to do is make a mistake deep in our own territory, you know, with a pick or something like that. And damn it, we're going to try to run this ball. <laughs> and they just – wasn't meant to be for the first seven damn weeks. Wasn't meant to be today for the Texans. They got to figure something out on that offensive line um, to be able to do it because pass to set it up. Hell, when the opportunity was there, Robert, they couldn't do it today. But uh, I, I didn't get as frustrated with Slowick on that as I just did with the execution um, of this offense in the run game. So the Texans with some big penalties in the first half on the following punt, D'Angelo Ross, the gunner, commits a 15-yard penalty. Then the Texans with costly injuries. They lose Jimmy Ward and MJ Stewart on back-to-back -back plays. And Sean, yeah. Tampa walks down the field for another easy touchdown drive. What happened to this defense? Was it just that Jimmy Ward and MJ Stewart, just was that a big part of it? Because they, they weren't doing great before those two guys hurt, but definitely those two guys hurt getting hurt, hurt him later in the game. I mean, I think it was that. And I also think it was the Texans offense, you know, couldn't keep the defense off of the field. You know, it was bam, bam. It's, it, you don't have so much time to, you know, go over things, make adjustments, talk things through, get your mind right. You're dealing with injuries. Um, but I also think too, that, you know, sometimes you can come out a little too, too amped up. And I was just going to stop you. I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, you talk about the D'Angelo Ross penalty. Was this like two games in a row, Robert, right? Where you've had now, I think, a combined three penalties on special teams alone. 
And the Texans already came into this game one of the most heavily penalized teams in the entire league in terms of yardage allowed per game or given away, if you will. Um, I, I think that's a huge area that D'Amico Ryans and the staff is going to have to look at and get corrected because when you're not firing on all cylinders, when you are going through uh, adversities within a game and guys are getting hurt, the number one thing, and D'Amico will tell you this, and he probably addresses it on Monday morning in the press conference, is you got to go back to fundamentals and you just got to execute and make the simple plays. And I didn't think that's what the Texans did very well today, no matter who was out there. If it was Jimmy Ward, if it was MJ Stewart, if it was D'Angelo, whoever it was, they weren't making the simple plays early on in this game. And it was costing them. Sean, it's not just penalties. Most of the games that they've had penalties, it wasn't a lot of penalties for a lot of yards. It was a lot of penalties if they did have a lot of penalties for a little bit of yards. But in this game, 15 yarders were killing them left and right. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, that's you're giving up chunk plays. We talk about we know what this defense, we know what this team looks like and how it responds when they've given up chunky plays, you know, it's it's been very difficult for them to kind of reel that back in and get stops. And sometimes it's uh, too little too late. You know, they're deep in their own, they're deep in your territory. And points are points, whether it be three or seven, doesn't matter. Um, I, I just think, hey, 15 yards, 20 yards, no matter how you get it, if it's penalized, um, that again, we've talked about it before. It's the Texans shooting themselves in the foot. Good thing today they were able to overcome it, though. After that touchdown drive by Tampa, it was a field goal drive on the next possession for the Texans. But, Sean, the drive ended on a couple questionable decisions by Stroud. On second down, he throws the ball away when he had Tankdale open on a screen. It was, there was an emergency option there on the right side, I thought. Tank could have at least gotten him a few yards. And that was so key because then Stroud tries to extend on third down. And it's way yeah. too long after some good blocking. He throws it away, takes a hit I didn't think yeah. he needed to take, but if he'd just gotten those few yards by tank, that would have helped him get in field goal range. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, miraculous, <laughs> to be honest with you. That I, I was scared, you know, when he got up a little uh, shaky uh, from taking that hit. I mean, that's what you don't want to see. And that's that C.J. Stroud coming through full force in that particular instance that, is just so hell-bent on making a play. He probably realized, you know, him missing Tank on the previous down as soon as he went back to the huddle and said, all, had his mind made up, no matter what, I'm making a damn play on this next down. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't. But fortunately, he was able to get up uh, after taking that hit. That really concerned me. Yeah, I don't like him taking hits at all. And so after that, Texans D forces a three and out. Christian Harris, big tackle on third down. He was huge today. Off. Yeah. Yeah, go, you can talk about Christian Harris if you want. I, 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 I didn't notice him really until that play, and then he really flashed right there. And then he started making some plays after that, I thought, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought uh, I thought he was absolutely huge. And look, he's kind of come on, you know, when given opportunities, when he gets in the flow of the game, that's when you really kind of start to notice him. Um, he gets settled in. Uh, one thing that, look, we, we wanted to see it last year with him uh, when he'd gotten the opportunity. And I think you saw it in flashes, but just him being comfortable, identifying where the ball is and not thinking, just reacting. And I think you're starting to see that more and more as he gets comfortable uh, in D'Amico's defense. A really good game for him today. 
four solo tackles, one tackle for loss for Christian Harris. Last Texans drive of the half. They get it to midfield, but Stroud gets sacked on a blitz. Titus blocks the lineman inside, which allows the blitzer an easy path. And Sean, this is a continual issue with the Texans line. One lineman helps on a guy who they probably don't need to help with on that particular guy, only to let another guy come unblocked. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you actually say that because um, over the course of the week, I was looking back at um, the the film against the Panthers from the Texans' deep defensive perspective and just, you know, how Will Anderson's affecting what guys like Jonathan Grenard are able to do or Malik Collins was able to do in the pass rush game last week. And, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of the conversation this week was, well, all right, just how valuable, how important was Will Anderson and what the Texans are doing from a pass rush sense? Well, in fact, if, if an offensive lineman even has one of his two eyes on Will pre-snap and devotes just a millisecond of a, a punch ready to help in a, in a double team situation or protect a B gap or whatever the case may be. That's all it takes. Just that millisecond. I talk about that kind of stuff all the time. And I think, you know, you flip it around and we talk about from a Texans perspective, you're right. Um, you don't expect those types of things from a Titus Howard or from a Laramie Tunsil, but you know, we can, those guys can get crossed up too. And I think that was one of those instances where you're not really sure if you should help out. Um, and what the cost is going to be. But, you know, it certainly hurt them a couple of times. And I think, I don't know, if it was just a play or maybe it was one later on in the game where Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil, they had a conversation afterwards and trying to figure out exactly, you know, who was what and whose fault that was. Oh, I've seen this from every single guy on the offensive line. There's not one guy in particular, but, you know, whenever it happens with Titus, we think, oh, well, there's Titus. He hasn't played much guard. He doesn't know it as well. So maybe yeah. he's having that problem with responsibility. But anyway, halftime. So this is bad. We find out Kymie Fairbairn, he's done for the game. And this felt like it could be a big deal because this is the NFL. These games come down to field goals and extra points. So Tampa opens the second half with a nice drive for a field goal. They get help thanks to a Denzel Perryman 15-yard personal foul, but the Texans strike back quickly on the first play, next possession, Stroud to Noah Brown on a slant, 75-yard touchdown. And, Sean, we can talk about Noah Brown's six catches for 146 yards, but I hope people didn't miss the great block by Tank right. Dell on that play. What impressed me is how quickly Tank made that block after the catch because if you do it too quick, it's a pick. It's an offensive pass interference. But if you do it at the right time, boom, he's gone. Who was it earlier this season that Tank Dell laid the wood on? Um, it, it was within the first couple of three weeks. And we're like, wait, holy smokes, Tank Dell's blocking that cat? Was it T.J. Watt? Remember the block that uh, Tank Dell had on T.J. Watt in that Pittsburgh Steelers game? And we're like, whoa, holy smokes. And, you know, even even getting ready for this game, I'm, I'm driving in, I'm listening to Sean Pendergast and uh, Seth Payne talk about the absence of Robert Woods and how that's going to be affected, um, you know, potentially for the pass attack today, how aggressive they want to be. Robert Woods has been Mr. First Down, especially on third downs. Well, Nico's been pretty good, too, so I wasn't too worried about that. Noah had to step up. Tank had to step up. Hell, Dalton Schultz, if you're asking, going to block anybody in the run game, he had to step up today, and they all three did in massive ways. But, yes, that Tank Dell block, it is the little things. It's the things that uh, 
um, you know, coaches and players find sexy in the film room, but we just kind of pass off as like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Hey, in this offense, it doesn't matter if you're Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Noah Brown. Damn, I wish Dalton Schultz would catch this bug, but you all got to block and do it well. And Tank uh, executed that perfectly. Unfortunately, no fair, Baron. So the Texans have to go for two, can't convert. You'd hope the D could get momentum. Uh, but another penalty was a killer for the defense. Shot Griffin, pass interference, turns into a Bucks field goal. I'm going to just skip forward to the next Texans possession because eh, who cares? Who cares? Because let's see what happens. <laughs> Terrible setback on a questionable Dieter holding penalty on third and one. But Stroud, a big scrambling throw to Dalton Schultz, who makes a good run after the catch. And then Tank Dell, who as great as he was in this game, remember, dropped two passes, yep. including a second one in that drive of the game. So Tank Dell catches that long touchdown. And, Sean, we, we talk about what a big game C.J. Stroud. It would have been bigger because Tank dropped, dropped a couple of them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, a couple of them were on Tank. A couple of them, you know, um, Stroud missed some shots down the field. I think Collins was one. I think Schultz may have been a, might have been another one or Tank as well early uh, in the game. But, man, you know, that that's the best part about what the Texans did today is, you know, Bobby Slowick, C.J. Stroud, none of those receivers um, deviated. They said – you know what, this is this is what our game plan is. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to keep putting it out there and taking shots. And we trust our guys more times than now going to come through with big plays. And so I think, you know, certainly Stroud um, had all the confidence in the world in his guys and Slowick as well. But to me, look, let's be honest, from a media perspective, from a fan perspective, can we finally give this receiving core a little bit of credit for what they accomplished today? Absolutely. I mean, just three, you know, Adam mentions it, three different Texans receivers with 100 plus yards receiving. We've already talked about Tank a lot, talked about Dalton Schultz. We're going to talk about some more of these guys, Noah Brown, we talked about as well. So again, the Texans couldn't convert the two point conversion. Stroud throws a well-designed play to Tank. It's a little behind him. They did everything right, but execute on that. So on the next Bucks possession, Texans force a three and out thanks to a third down sack by Khalil Davis. Nice sack there. Next possession. Nice drive. Couple of good pass plays to Schultz. Big run by Hutchinson. Sean, I did see Dalton Schultz make a block on that run by Hutchinson. Wasn't a perfect block, but he got it done. And Sean, we'd be talking about a couple of terrible Bobby Slowick calls near the goal line. But Stroud hits Schultz on a perfect timed throw on fourth and goal. Schultz makes up for a bad start to the game. The fumble, 10 catches, 126 yards for that guy. No question. Um, And I I don't even think people were giving him the respect that he deserved in the past game. And maybe it's because of the vitriol that he's garnered for his lack of blocking uh, in the run game. But look, the dude can get open. The dude can catch through contact. He's got good hands. Um, He's a very good route runner. You have to be to have this type of success in this offense uh, with the precision that it requires. And so um, I I hope this is a growing trend because when you put this type of film out there against a 
look, it's not a great Tampa Bay Buck defense. I mean, this was maybe the epitome of a bend but don't break defense, right? One that is really good on third down, but, you know, they struggle in the red zone. And um, in between the 20s, too, you know, you're going to get uh, – you can move the ball on these guys. You saw it today. Now the Texans put this film out there offensively and what they're capable of. Certainly Noah Brown and uh, Dalton Schultz and everybody's already known about Tank Dell. It's just a matter of, you know, the Texans going to use him. Um, and I think the same thing with Nico Collins. How Are the Texans going to use him the right way? Teams are going to start, um, you know, really having to do their homework on making various adjustments to how they attack the Texans. So after the touchdown, third two-point try of the half, Texans finally get a conversion on a Stroud draw. Let's remember, this game was decided by what? Two points, kids. Two points. That two-point <laughs> conversion was yeah. the difference in the ball game. So the Texans D, they get burned badly, though, on a touchdown drive, Sean, because Mike Evans blows by Steven Nelson, both Petrie and Houston Carson, who was subbing, let's remember, yeah. for Jimmy Ward and MJ Stewart. They were sorely missed. Again, I'm going to say this, Texans looked terrible in the second half. Remember those two guys out of the game. Houston Carson, I'm sorry, he sucked, and he was way too late, as well as Petrie on that late help there on, on the safety help. Yeah, I mean, look, you were you were gonna, you knew you were rolling the dice, but you had no choice. I mean, you had to get some guys out there dealing with the uh, injuries that the Texans were. Mike Evans is just stupid good. I mean, it's, I was I was getting a little mad because, I mean, we all know how good he is. Uh, maybe he's a little underrated, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, how he's compared and talked about to some of the other great receivers, uh, younger receivers, especially in the league. But the guy just made every play it seemed like today, and. Um, uh, they're, they're running back, uh, Rashad white, uh, when given the opportunity close to the goal line, he, he paid off more times than not for them too today. It was frustrating. Yeah. And the Texans couldn't even take advantage when Mike Evans got banged up late in the game, he had to go out with the injury. They just couldn't still couldn't stop the, the Tampa offense. Um, but after this last drive by Tampa Texans respond again. Again, again, that's an overriding theme. Texans respond. Two big pass, pass plays to Noah Brown, makes it a first and goal, but Texans forced into a field goal on fourth down at the 11. So D'Amico sends out Dare Ogunbowale for a field goal. Sean, that was nuts. The crowd going nuts. Ogunbowale makes the field that's That was crazy. I, I mean, low-key hero dare does it again like what what happened you know between the time that they were going for two with kaimi hurt and not wanting to trust Darian gumbawale to kick an extra point um to when they brought him out to kick a chip shot 29 yard field goal like was this one of those situations like uh in baseball, you get the pinch hitter down in the cages, take some hacks, and then because you, you're getting them ready, you know you're going to use them in the eighth or ninth inning or in the extras. Was Darian Gumbawale, when the Texans were on defense, like going in the tunnel and practicing like extra points or something? Was he doing this on the sideline? Like, what were they bussing him back and forth from the practice fields to get reps in between defensive and offensive possessions? Like, why trust him all of a sudden in that instance when you have 11, 12 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter? It made me think, like, damn, 
like I'm proud of the guy. I'm proud for the Texans. Like it went through awesome, but man, those missed two point conversion opportunities, you know, when you could have had one point on the board at a couple of times before it could come back to bite you and it darn near nearly did. Yeah, I, I would say they just looked at the odds and they're like the odds that he makes an extra point compared to the odds of us getting two. And if we get two, that's better than one anyway. Yeah. And at that point, it's, you know, it's fourth down from the 11-yard line. So the you go, the odds are that maybe he makes his field, but it's way better than us getting a touchdown on fourth and 11. And the other thing is, Sean, if you miss it right there, some of the other circumstances where the Texans were behind, this circumstance – it's it's a tie ball game. So if you can get that touchdown, then uh, if you can get the field goal, you're ahead. But if you don't, it's it doesn't seem like the end of the world at that point, at least right there. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just I, I don't know that I would have been mad at them, because if you miss, if you go for it on fourth and goal from the 11 and you miss, I kind of look at that like, you know what? It's a tie ball game. I kind of felt lucky to be in it at that point in time anyway. Um, just because of all the rash of injuries and just the craziness that had ensued leading up to that point with this game, I would have looked at it like, you know what? P- played pretend in my mind that like, yeah, Cam Johnston just pinned him inside, you know, the own, their own fifteen. Like, no problem, no harm, no foul. But I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that field goal went in. It's it's those kinds of moments, man, that uh, make for some special calls on the radio. Mark Vandermeer had one one of those today. It was golden. So let's get to the great ending of this game and let's start off with what happens next because the Texans get a quick first down to start the next drive. Unfortunately, wiped out um, uh, by what appeared to be a bogus holding call on George Fant. And I'm not going to complain too much about the officiating, but there were just a lot of borderline calls in this game where I thought, man, that could have gone either way. But the Fant one looked like a total bogus call. I, I didn't see what Fant did. He pushed his guy down. He never grabbed him. I don't understand it. So that kills the drive, buries the Texans deep. It was a double whammy. So yeah. because of all that, Tampa, great field position, 427 left. The Texans D tries to avoid their third game-winning drive of the game of the season already. Tampa converts a fourth and two, but the real killer after a great Tavier Thomas strip fumble, Houston Carson again, with a chance to do something good, has the ball slipped through his hands. Baker immediately throws what looks like the game-winning touchdown. Toa Toa beat in coverage. And, Sean, the one question I have about that whole sequence of events there, I'm not a fan of Toa Toa in coverage. Why have him on the field on a sure passing now with Tampa out of timeouts? He's not one of your better options to, 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 for fast coverage to, to, to get a guy in coverage, and he, and he got beat there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Blake Cashman, I guess you could say, has probably been one of the better coverage guys, um, but I don't feel good about um, any Texan linebacker on uh, a Buccaneer in that instance. And so I think D'Amico's, uh, it'd be maybe a good question to ask him after the fact, but um, I don't know if you're going to get a real answer, but it's just seemed kind of like uh, he's rolling the dice there. He's looking at the entire situation and say, Hey, look, you know, they made a play on a fourth and two, but we got him to a fourth and two and it's just execution. And um, he'd probably die on that Hill and say he'd do it again. But 
Um, I totally get where you're coming from. It's just I'm looking at it at this angle. I don't feel comfortable with anybody in that situation that's uh, going to be in coverage if you're a Texan linebacker. Yeah, he's a guy that just gets way too much playing time. I, I just can't believe there's not better options out there. I don't know if there's anything that I think he does great. And the other thing about Toa Toa is, you know, he's he's small. So he's not just not getting there with speed. He's not big. I didn't see who all was on the field at that point. I didn't slow it down. Sorry not to do that. So I don't know if there was a cornerback or a safety that they, they couldn't use right there. But I would have, I just would have much rather, rather have a guy like that on the field at that point. So we'll get to the final drive because that's the fun stuff. 46 seconds left. We're going to be talking about, and I sort of got my notes out of order earlier. We're going to be talking about U of H legend Tank Dell's touchdown catch. But, Sean, you and I know the play of that whole drive was that catch that he makes on the sideline and the throw by C.J. Stroud. Both of those things were unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was incredible. And I, I, I know that's the one that's going to get all the attention. I just you – needed, you needed a good start to the drive, okay? And I, I, know, I know you – we, we kind of maybe were able to take this for granted a little bit just because of how this game played out. But to me, man, to get, boom, 14 yards right off the bat to Schultz. And then, boom, six yards, another first down uh, opportunity. Or not not Tim, I think it was the Brown uh, catch for the first down. But it's like, boom, you're going Schultz. You're going Brown. You're going Schultz again before you're setting it up to Dell. I just I thought, like, you needed to make sure you're getting off to a good start here because the last thing you want to do is face a third down, you know, deep in your own territory with the game on the line in that situation um, where you give the defense the entire field, you know, to, to kind of sit back and just keep everything in front of them. To me, those boom, 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 quick plays to, to Shelton Brown early in that drive were absolutely huge, and that kind of maybe set that Dell 26-yarder uh, beauty on the sideline up. Um, but that that drive – C.J. Stroud, I mean, insert quarterback. I don't know that anybody could have done it um, more impressively than he did today. Yeah, and I think another thing that we sort of take for granted now, and we shouldn't because I've watched 20 years of Texans football, the clock management by D'Amico and Bobby Sloak in the offense, to, to call the timeouts immediately, know that you've got them, how D'Amico used the timeouts. He used the timeout in the Tampa drive on defense, which I thought was smart because, look, if Tampa scores either way, if they score either way, you're going to need the ball back. You want to give yourself some time. And they call a timeout yeah. on defense. And then after that, they called two timeouts in the drive, knowing immediately to call timeout and, you know, give yourself just – you know, every second counts right there. And they called timeout immediately. And, you know, it was a it, it, it doesn't seem like 46 seconds is a lot of time. But in the NFL, you have a couple of timeouts. You use the sideline. Obviously, Tank making that catch on the sideline. Stroud making that throw on the sideline. Huge. But just clock management that I just don't take it. I just don't take for granted ever. Ever, yeah. ever with the Texans. Yeah, look, I, I feel I thought it was key too after the Noah Brown 14-yard completion uh that was in the middle of the field. You know, you that play started with like 30 some odd seconds uh left in the game. 
And dude, you got to go because at that point in time, you ain't got no timeouts. You got to hurry up to the ball and you got to spike it in that situation and make sure you're giving yourself an opportunity to get some good quality plays off. I mean, you're not, you don't, you don't want to look at a Hail Mary situation, right? And they gotten good yardage and man, the Bucks they tried their butts off to move as slow as possible back to the line of scrimmage. But I thought, again, the players on the field, never mind the coaches. And, you know, D'Amico did a fantastic job of clock management today. But I thought Stroud and that offense did about as good a job as they possibly could have done, having to run that play in the middle of the field and then, boom, hurry up to the line of scrimmage as quickly as uh, that was allowable to to get up there and spike the ball to give yourself uh, multiple opportunities if need be. Tank Dell, he was told he was too small to play in the NFL. You said it. He's blocking guys. He's making plays. He's running still, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. They were using him in punt return. They were using him in kickoff return today for the first time. I mean, Tank Dell, too small, too short, can't take hits, whatever. He's had one injury so far, knock on wood, but the ground caused it. Banged his head against the ground on a low throw. I mean, and, and I just, I pointed out, up on Twitter, and I'm just going to say it again. If you think in life you're too short or too small or too whatever to play sports, you're in H-Town, baby. Tank Dell, Jose Altuve, Simone Biles. There's nothing, nothing about being too short. There's nothing because those guys just get it done. Yeah, you know, um, I, I read a quote the other day. Um, and a lot of people have said it, and for whatever reason, this kind of popped up on my timeline, but it was a quote from Andrew Benintendi. Um, and he'd said, uh, you know, the best thing about baseball is you can be any size and succeed. Um, I, I just, I think that's true in any sport. We just don't see it. And for whatever reason, along the way, you know, guys just, uh, they don't make it or they 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 bow out or they move on to something else or maybe uh, in their mind realize uh, reality is slapping them in the face. But you never know. And some guys are hell bent and just they've they know their purpose and they're in a situation where, you know what, like I can't quit. Maybe Tank Dell's that dude. Um, at least he's just the latest example of such. I, I, I was just amazed that Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud were able to dial it up as much as they were today for Tank Dell. And maybe this, in the grand scheme of things, when they go back and they watch this film and they see what they were able to do to get guys like Noah Brown and Tank Dell especially involved in this game, I think maybe it just opens up a world of possibilities for the Texans offensively going forward. And albeit did it very shorthanded today with no Damian Pierce you know, your situation on the offensive line. You didn't have Robert Woods, and you incurred multiple injuries throughout the course of the game on defense, which certainly hurt. And you, you didn't you didn't bend or break in that situation. I mean, you just plugged straight ahead. Tank Dell, the last three games, he's had 11 targets and five catches for 89 yards. His first three games of his season, 21 targets, 15 catches for 251 yards. 11 targets and six catches today and massive receptions by Tank Dell. I think Bobby Slowick and C.J. Stroud and Tank himself is going to look at that and say, aha, <laughs> look at the possibilities, man. If we want to do it, and C.J. talks about it all the time, 
we're good. Like, we've got the capability to do this, to be explosive. You just got to trust me. I think C.J. Stroud built a lot of trust from Bobby Slowick and certainly the entire team today. Yeah, and I, I, you talk about injuries. I don't know if any other team in the NFL wants to, you know, say, oh, it's injuries because we they'll say we, we all have injuries. But it's been Nobody more so than the Texans now. The Texans, I, I think, with today, they're the most injured team in the entire league by a lot. Yeah, and it's with the Texans, I'm just going to point out, the injuries have been to the points of the team where you go, man, I thought we had depth there. The secondary's gotten killed with injuries. I want to point out, by the way, with the secondary, Tavier Thomas with a big, big game. Seven solo tackles, one tackle for loss. Uh, Thomas was was fantastic. And then, you know, you talk about another guy on uh, defense that was great, Blake Cashman. Uh, five solo tackles, two tackles for a lot. He continues to do it. But besides the secondary, it's also been the offensive line. And those two positions are positions that, you know, you would think uh, no team could survive so many injuries because those are so crucial to to both sides of the football. And the Texans have, have been able to be okay for the most part without that. And I just got to give the guys credit for that. Un- unfortunately, you know, you can't expect C.J. Stroud to do this every week. So that defense has just got to – they're going to have to get tougher. And you just hope – and I don't know what, what you've heard, Sean. You hope that the injuries to Jimmy Ward and um, and MJ are not big injuries to this uh, secondary because you're running out of safeties and cornerbacks right now. Yeah, well, and the trade deadline's come and gone. And so you're, uh, <laughs> you know, SOL in terms of being able to – you know, do some things there. I hate that the fact that the trade deadline is so early in the season. I wish it was a little bit later. It'd make it a lot more interesting uh, for a lot of teams in the league. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But, um, hey, the Texans can't incur too many more uh, uh, significant injuries. I mean, we all know that. But I'll tell you this. I mean, yeah, you can't expect C.J. Stroud to do this every single Sunday. Okay, I, I mean, I get that. Rookie or not. But, you know, I feel like this Texans team is good enough right now where, look, we went through the schedule a few weeks ago and it's hard. Like there's a lot of, you know, coin flip games, like games that you don't feel terrible about the Texans chances in. you don't feel great about them winning, but we're still learning a lot about this team. Um, If they can stay close, I'll tell you this much um, ride or die with CJ Stroud, because that dude, um is that dude he stays poised calm cool collected whatever you want to call it i mean he has just got ice water running through his veins um in these situations i I thought it was a really cool um you know back and forth in the post-game press conference i think it was brandon scott from sports radio 610 my buddy uh asked cj stroud about you know his his temperature his heartbeat in that moment on the final drive and you know, he was talking about, hey, man, I'm just calm, cool, collected. You know, I believe in them. They believe in me, da 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 But it was another point in the press conference where he reflected back to something that Jonathan Grenard said about Stroud all, or earlier this season in that, hey, you know, when Stroud's given the opportunity to be on a big stage in a big moment, the dude is going to ball out. And I think it was maybe after the Atlanta game when Stroud did what he did, but then the defense just couldn't hold it together and they gave it up at the end. 
When you put the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands late in the game, is going to be on, and you saw it today. So I think they feel really good about their chances anytime uh, they've got the ball in C.J. Stroud's hands with the game on the line. Uh, one thing about the offensive line, and C.J. talked about in the postgame how important they were uh, in this whole game, and they did not have a bad game. The, the run game is still a problem, but C.J. had a ton of time to throw this entire game, his only sacks were really sacks, except for one breakdown where they just totally didn't know where to pick up a guy, which we mentioned earlier. But if you look at the sacks, they were just CJ holding the ball too long or the pressures. It was a lot of him holding the yeah. ball too long, but they were really good. And, and Michael Dieter did a pretty decent job. It's going to be interesting, Sean, because the only way I think you improve this running game at all is move Titus Howard back over to right tackle. That would mean Juice Scruggs at left guard and leaving Dieter at center. I don't know if they would think about that or if they're going to go, um, we got to put Scruggs at center for Dieter because we look at him as the long-term play. But the deal is, if you do that, you're going to give C.J. Stroud his third center in as many weeks now. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but at least he has time, a significant amount of time. I mean, more than he has with Dieter, with Juice Scruggs. Uh, it, it, that, that is a real question. It's, it's a real thing to think about if you're the Texans because it wouldn't have been the case if Jarek Patterson doesn't get hurt. Juice Scruggs is back. He ain't playing center. Jarek Patterson's your center, and Juice Scruggs is probably the left guard, and you're moving Titus back to right tackle now that – you know, Jared is not in the uh, equation anymore, and Dieter's only got this one game. Who who knows if Juice Scruggs is ready to come back next week, though? I mean, my gosh. You know, he's had the hamstring. It's, it's an 11, 12-week-old injury now, and this is like the third week he's had the opportunity, or the Texans have had the opportunity to uh, exercise him off the uh, injured reserve, and they haven't. Maybe good news. For the first time in about four weeks, I did see Juice Scruggs in a locker room on Friday. Uh, in good spirits, so maybe this is a big week for him. Uh, we shall see. But if that's the case, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're going to tell me like, ah, yeah, it's another center for C.J. Stroud to work with. Hell, what's the damn difference? They've had four left tackles, four left guards, four different centers, four different right tackles. If Titus ever moves his ass back over there, um, it ain't made a hill of beans. Your run game sucked either way. And at this point in time, in this offense, as quarterback-friendly as it is, it looks like it could still be as friendly as ever to C.J. Stroud, and the Texans have themselves some damn good centers or a hell of a coach or both in uh, a Strouser to coach these dudes up on the fly. So I don't really care what they do, just so long as they do something to throw up against the wall to get this run game going and to continue to keep C.J. Stroud as healthy and as upright as they have. Well, let's close it out. Stroud, got to talk about him again. Just an electric performance. We've been talking about maybe he's a top 10 quarterback sooner rather than later. Maybe by the end of the year, he's a top 10 quarterback. Maybe top 10 is a little bit too low of a bar, Sean. I mean, this is a game that, could vault him up even a few more notches than that. So, you know, I, I just last thought on C.J. Stroud. This again, man, we talked about it the whole year. This is another level he can go to. 
This is another level that we've seen. And like the guys in the locker room said after the game, is this a turning point game for the Houston Texans franchise and, and the Texans this year? Certainly could be. I mean, um, we're, we'll have to wait till next week because I do think there is something to what D'Amico's been talking about in recent weeks. And it was a question that I asked him about how his teams, how his team has responded from losses. You know, how do you feel about them in wins? And he said, look, that's definitely something we need to work on. And you saw as much. Granted, a bye week was thrown into it. So there was that wrench. But we haven't seen this team, you know, stack wins. I mean, they've got one set of back-to-back wins this season, Jacksonville to Pittsburgh, which before today was two of your most impressive victories on the season. So nothing to take away from them there. But I think in terms of what he sees every single day in the preparation, in the vibe, the attitude, or guys coming to work, um, you know, with that consistency, that regularity, Obviously, something's lacking. So this is a huge week for the Texans to get as much from their guys as they possibly can. And unfortunately, it's a big question. I'm like, well, who are you going to be getting things from? Because everybody's banged up at this point. I wouldn't be surprised to see C.J. Stroud pop up on the injury report at some point uh, this week with something. Um, that That's just kind of where we are. Um, but it, it's a win like this. In general, you never know what it can do to a team, especially a young one like this, that you get a taste of a victory like this, and it just makes you hungrier. Texans about 10th in the AFC right now, so they're closing ground. If they can get a couple more wins, the next week's going to be a big one because the Bengals are not going to be easy, and they could fall back again. But uh, they now are in the legitimate conversation for making the playoffs right now eight games into the season, who could have seen this at the beginning of the year? I'll tell you who, nobody. Nobody could have seen this except maybe C.J. Stroud because that guy believes. Great to see an incredible Texans win, a magical one. Put yourself in the comments. Are you excited? What do you see Stroud as right now as a quarterback? Got to hear from you. Me and Sean will be back midweek talking all things Houston sports. Great to catch up with you, Sean. And you you guys – out there love catching up with you so uh thanks for listening thanks for watching we'll talk to you later you're listening to houston sports talk hey you can support the show by subscribing on youtube and commenting on the videos listen to houston sports talk on spotify apple stitcher and google don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media spread the word everybody thanks for listening